Welcome to Scare My Best Friend to Death. Where we answer the only true horror question. Will my best friend survive this movie? Join our hosts, Crystal, an avid horror enthusiast since she was a small child, and Katie, who has to sleep with a light on after watching anything remotely scary, as they discuss the best horror movies. Crystal can make Katie watch. Hi, I'm Crystal. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Scare My Best Friend to Death, where this week we're going to be covering the 1978 film Dawn of the Dead. And tonight we are joined by our first guest, Dave Gurman from The House That Screams. Hi. This week um, with Dawn of the Dead, we are watching and we're covering the ultimate cut. It's a fan done edit, almost three hours long, Dawn of the Dead this one is directed by George Romero, is starring David M.G., Ken Faree, Scott Reiniger, and Galen Ross. And this is one of Dave's favorite movies. So Dave chose this movie to scare Katie to death. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you open. This is the third podcast I've talked about this movie on. This is the movie that got me on The House of Screams. I, I knew Candy before she started that and when she started the podcast she said she wanted to do dawn and she asked me if i wanted to come on for that and so and then i did it on um ian's ages ago i think of the Damned. i think so yeah his, his old one so this is the third time i've been able to talk about this movie on a podcast this movie is it's everything to me at, as far as horror goes it came out at the right time for me i was born in 65 so this movie came out i was 14 so just picture a 14 year old me sitting watching this monstrosity of a gore fest just <laughs> licking up every minute of it. I, I just, I love this movie. Um, the version that we are talking about tonight is, like Crystal said, a f- sort of a fan edit. And it's got, it's basically a combination of all the three major edits that were released on DVD, the Argento cut, the theatrical cut, and the director's cut. So it's basically got everything in it. And I like this version the best because I, I think it's all just gold. Up front, not everything about this movie holds up. It's 78, so it's, you know, what, 30, 22, plus it's 50, 45 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everything holds up. Some of the dialogue's a little a little clunky. Some of the uh, attitudes towards Fran, I guess we'll get to, mm-hmm. always crack me up in sort of a horrible way, this, the, the way that the woman is treated. But as far as gore goes, there was nothing like this. This is the first truly horrifically gory movie I ever saw as a kid, and I loved it. I loved every minute. It gave me nightmares, and I loved it. <laughs> you just kept coming back for more. I, I, I went and saw it in the theater, and I, I don't know when the first time I saw it on video. I can't I can't even remember the first time I rented it. But I'll watch this movie once a week, just on the regular, just because. It's my comfort film. It's got some great gore. The, the effects, some are really good, some aren't so good. The blood is awfully orange, but there, there's different <laughs> uh, stories about why that is. Um, some, some people claim it was the film stock they used was the wrong kind of film, so the blood just looked orange. Some people claim that that uh, Tom Zavino was trying to make it look more comic book-like, a little less realistic. I'm, I'm not sure what the truth is, but the, the truth is the blood looks awfully orange in a lot of scenes. And the zombies are basically just people with blue face paint on. There's a few that have some prosthetic effects, but mostly it's just people with blue paint on their faces. And it's, I still love it. I think I love it more even because of that, because mm. it is goofy and uh, a little low rent, you know, which is fine. I, I, I love it. I love, this is my 
I would not, I would not be without this movie. Yeah. So spoiler warning, you've had what, 45 years to watch this movie. Yeah. I've, I've seen it a few times. Yeah. And I, it, I could recite the whole thing from memory. <laughs> and then also trigger warning, there's bad language, there's violence, there's talk about abortion, there's alcohol, drugs, and smoking. This sounds like a wonderful film. It's got everything we loved in the 70s. <laughs> Katie, this was your first time watching this one. Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts about this? Now, David, the theatrical cuts, what, like 90 minutes? Yeah, it's about, a, yes, about an hour. So yeah. it, it, it cuts a lot out. This is like two hours and 48 minutes, I want to say. So right there at three hour. But That's there was a reason I wanted you to watch this one. I think when it originally came out, it was probably top of the line, scary. For someone who works in a middle school, I was not scared a lot. Um, there were some tense moments where I was like, get moving. Why are you not running? <laughs> but I mean, they can only walk so fast. You can run. It, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I even watched it at night. Oh, I'm so it. proud of you. Yes. Now, I might have had my bedroom light on, but I watched it at night, some of it at night. Is there anything throughout the almost three hours of this movie that just stuck out with you? Is there something in this that you're like, hmm, they did that right? Or, you know, maybe I could have done without that. I really like, I think my two favorite characters in the movie are the two that survive. Fran and Peter. Yes. No, no, uh, Steve, uh, Roger is the, the one who, uh, the short guy's Roger. Yes. Yes. Peter's the big one. Mm -hmm. Roger was kind of like uh, that little cocky. He had, short no man, he had short man syndrome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Watching him made me more frustrated than any, like, I really felt like I was watching one of my students and I just wanted to like throw something and say, go sit down. <laughs> Let the adults take care of this. I liked that no matter what, oh gosh, and I can't think of her name. The Fran. Fran. Yes, Fran. That she was not willing to just give up at any point. Well, or, I mean, kind of yeah. at the beginning, she was kind of like, oh, woe is me. We're going to die, whatever. Right. But once they got to them all. What was interesting is back then, back in 78, that would have been more of a statement, a woman standing up for herself. Now, you know, I mean, we have the final girls in, in horror movies. It's a, it's a trope now. But back then, a woman standing up for herself, that was probably, that's Romero making a statement. He loves strong women in his films. If you watch The Day of the Dead after this one, um, the main woman is very strong. Even in Night of the Living Dead, she's not exactly strong, but at the end, she does yeah. pull her shit together and gets eaten for her troubles, but still. He, Romero loves strong women and so this is a 78 version of a strong woman she actually speaks up for herself and so now, you, have to, you have to look at this movie through the lens of when it was made right especially with its attitudes toward women and some of the stuff that we get from uh peter's background being an african-american right. um and, and the consumerism those are the big three sort of themes okay. the consumerism huge shopping malls were fairly new back then so they were more of a they even say when they fly over it in the helicopter, oh, this must be one of those new giant indoor malls. You know, now they're just, they're everywhere. Yeah. So, so it was Romero talking about commercialism. Basically, we're all just zombies going to the mall, I think is what he's saying. It's a very 70s thing. You know, now it's, yes. it doesn't, I don't think it resonates quite as well. No, I, I can't even tell you the last time I've been to an indoor mall. I can't stand them anymore. Mm -mm. Can't stand them anymore. And that's, well, probably because the one that, 
Crystal and I grew up going to is no longer an indoor mall for people that don't want to get shot. But if you do want to get shot, that's where you go. Yeah, that's right. where you go. It's a lot of gang right. activity there. Right. And that, and did, it has a police station did they, in it. Did they put that in the flyers? Yeah, they probably did. <laughs> Make your yeah. colors, blue or red. But, <laughs> um, I really liked how they picked the mall to land on, though. Because that mm. was like, as a teenager, I would have been in heaven. <laughs> well, that was if one I of the had... questions I was going to ask you. Is the mall the place you would go during a zombie apocalypse? Absolutely, as long as you can block off all the exits and entrances. Mm -hmm. Well, I yeah. Mean, you've got the food you need, you've got clothes. Assuming that the power and all is still working, you've got power and running water, and there's tons of places to hide. And it's control. Malls are built to control access, so they really it, it wouldn't be that hard to seal it off. Yeah, but are we talking about a mall from back then where it's well, I think plentifully even, stocked? I think or, even now shopping malls, they're not, you have to go through certain entrances that you really can't get into it otherwise. Well, yeah, but you're not going to have as much nowadays that's stocked in malls. Yeah, but back, and back then too, stores like Sears and JCPenney's carried a lot more stuff like you mm -hmm. see in this film, hardware, um, all kinds of stuff. Now they're, uh, it's basically clothing and jewelry and stuff. And larger clients. But Sears, the Sears, I guess some Sears stores still have the big, the hardware sections and stuff. I haven't been in a Sears in ages, but but back then, yeah, like J.C. Penney's even carried all sorts of housewares, hardware and mm -hmm. you know, tools and, and and light construction equipment, you know, that you would use. So I don't know that that would even work today. There probably is nothing like that in the mall today. You go to Home Depot for that. Right. You don't go to the mall for that stuff anymore. Right. But back then, you went to the mall for that stuff. Oh, so there's some kind serious. of construction going on at the mall. And you just get lucky. So that's convenient to, to yeah, the, the mall was, yeah, was more self-contained back then. Now, I think you would just have a lot of really expensive clothing and bubble tea. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how to make a bubble tea, so. So, Katie, George Romero is also kind of anti-police. Yeah. Um, Not a fan of authority no, at all. No, yeah. kind of. Yeah, maybe that's where John Carpenter gets his. John Carpenter and George Romero have a lot of parallels, and that's one of them. Not, and, but they're also the, from the Vietnam era. And so why would they, you, know, you didn't have, you're not a big fan of authority if you grew up in that era. Right. <laughs> the beginning of this movie, where we see them staking out, is this an apartment complex? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's supposed to be the projects with the slums. It's the projects, yeah. And you've got this incredibly racist uh, officer shouting just horrible things. You mm -hmm. kind of get on that lens of, please die. Yeah. You need to die. <laughs> yes. Please die. Come on in. Check and see if there's anybody in there. I dare you. <laughs> right. So was there anybody whose death was the most deserving, you think? Probably him. Yeah, Wooly. His name was Wooly. Yeah, Wooly. Wooly um, needed to I even, While I watch these movies, I'm taking notes, mainly so I can remember, because everything going on right now, sometimes I tend to get names and all mixed up. But I actually mentioned Willie in my that, you know, that he had to go. Although I did kind of laugh when he took off the guy's head with the shotgun blast. <laughs> it's a, that's it's, a classic scene. Classic like, scene. Like, that, that's the scene where I think that's the first shot of, of real gore in the film. And so as a 14 year old in the theater and that scene came out, I was like, OK, um, this is my movie now. This is my chance. <laughs> it's a great scene. Yes. I mean, not like part of his head. The whole head. It's just awesome. And yeah. um, personally, I want to know what kind of shotgun he was using. <laughs> yeah, I think between him and I almost, I almost think that had at the end, Stephen, when he gets it, like 
if he had just done and followed the plan, none of that extra would have happened. So he kind of got what he deserved. But he's a man. Yeah. All directions. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be like, I think he wanted to be like Roger specifically. He he yeah. wanted to be that gung-ho and he just didn't have it in him. He's a, first yeah. of all, he wasn't trained because he wasn't a cop. And these guys were SWAT too. They weren't just, they weren't beat cops, they were SWAT. So right. they knew what they were doing. It, it, he, and he wanted, you can see when they first go out into the mall and he's at the top of the stairs hearing the gunshots. He just wants to, he's like a kid. He wants to go. He wants uh -huh. to go out there and join in on the fun bit. He's smiling and he, He's all excited about it, he, and yeah, he's not cut out for it. Yeah, he he really didn't think it through. It's like he had no experience with a biker gang, not knowing what they were gonna. I mean, he kind of invited them in. Right, there's like there's like a hundred of them. What did they, what did he think that they were gonna be able to take them all out <laughs> with his one little gun? And it's, it's like a hunting rifle. It's not even he doesn't even have a mm -hmm. an M16. I think he's got a hunting rifle. You know, <laughs> so you have to rack it after each shot. It's you're not gonna do very well with that. No. Maybe maybe one will be taken down. Yeah, he, he's kind of he's kind of a putz. Yes, um, but he's the everyman. He's the everyman character. He's I think the character that most most men anyway would put themselves into. Most guys aren't SWAT cops. Most guys yeah. would I think identify with Stephen more. Although I, there were parts of his character I did like where he was trying to be caring, and you could tell he cared about Fran and the baby. But it, oh, and it never really mentions, is it his baby or not? I think the it's assumption is his. Yeah, I don't baby. know that they say, but yeah, I think the assumption is. Yeah, the assumption is that it's his baby and, you know, he's so sweet. Do you want <laughs> us to get rid of it? Yeah, that's the scene that doesn't hold up. So they're talking, the three yeah. of them, the men, are sitting around in the, in the uh, that was a fallout shelter. Do people even know what fallout shelters are? Man? No. That place that they stumbled because that was a mm -hmm. place where you would go in the event of a nuclear war. You would go to these fallout shelters. They would have them in malls, and the basement of my grade school had one. You'd go down, and it had water and, and I guess, food, and that's where you were supposed to go in the event of a nuclear war. So that's what they stumbled. That's what that place is supposed to be. It's a civil defense fallout shelter. But they're talking. So so Stephen lets on, or um, yeah, Stephen lets on that she's pregnant, and right away Roger's like, "Well, do you want to keep it?" She's not even in the room, and they're talking about <laughs> aborting her baby. Man, the seventies were a good time to be a man. <laughs> Oh, they were joking. Yeah. You probably have less bodily autonomy now than you did back yeah. in 1978. Right. But they're, yeah. they're talking about aborting her baby, and she's not even in the room. That that's mm -hmm. what that's a little that's a, that one hurts a little bit. Yeah, but she's out smoking yeah. smoking her she's her cigarette smoking while she's pregnant. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And later in the movie, she's drinking while she's pregnant too. And I'm like, man, this is the 70s. Oh, I think I think my mother was smoking when I came out. I'm pretty sure she had a <laughs> cigarette in her mouth. Yeah, yeah the nurses bring them the, to the, her it's bedside. The, the 70s were a long time ago. What y'all talking about? That was 30 years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> what character do you think you identify with the most? You know, I'm going to have to say Peter. I mean, you, you know, there's yeah, some brothers and real brothers. Yeah. And the, and the, the opening bit yeah. when Fran is getting to know him in the helicopter, she, he said, are you leaving any? She said, are you leaving people behind? And he says, some brothers. And she says, real brothers or street brothers? Oh. Oh. <laughs> but the funny, but his response is even worse. He says, some of each and then he says he's got two brothers one is a football player and the other one's in jail because those are the only three thing things a black guy could be in the 70s was a cop a foot a pro ball player or in prison apparently mm -hmm. it's, it's like uh that didn't it also doesn't hold up so great you think he left oj behind uh, at least at least it wasn't oj in the movie <laughs> yeah. hey, do you, speaking of peter do you recognize that actor 
you know, the whole time I kept sitting there going, man, he looks familiar. I even looked him up on IMDb and I was scanning through it so fast. I didn't see one I recognized, but I mean, the whole time I'm going, I know, I know him. Yes, you probably recognize his voice more than his face. David and I watch this movie probably once a week. Whether you watch or not. Oh, we watched it probably for an entire year before it clicked who Peter actually is. Peter, uh, Kim Ray, is Kenan's dad on Kenan and Kale. So he's always yelling at Kale. <laughs> yeah. That is where I know his voice. Mm-hmm. Because that was always on when my brothers were home. What do you think as far as like the most identification with Peter? What what are the, the traits you have that he, are he seemed to be like like the protective one of the group? Like he was there to protect all of them, not just himself. Whereas like Roger was there for himself and what he could get. Fran, I think she was there because of Steven. It was almost like she became the mother figure. For them, because I know, you know, as the movie goes on, they're adding in the furniture and the dishes, like she's doing her nesting there. But he's the one that still seems to be the one that's protecting them and looking out for them, maybe because of his SWAT training or -hmm. because of his character's personality. I don't know. And he kind of seemed like he would be the oldest brother of all of them. And being the oldest sibling, I kind of identify there. Yeah. Even though there are some drastic differences between Peter and I. Um, He's like seven foot tall. Yeah. And, you know, a man. I really, like, he was, him and Fran were my two favorites. But if I had to ultimately pick one, it would be him because of the protective factor. Yeah, I like it. He's the cool-headed one. Uh, he, He seems to be the one who always sort of understands the situation and what to do about it where the other two are just like running around <laughs> being stupid. Yeah, he kind yes. of seems to have more of at least a realistic outlook on what's going on and is not quick to panic, except for when two children pop out of that door. <laughs> yeah, at the airport. Yeah, he's, he has said that he had trouble with that scene because he knew okay. he was going to be, I mean, not actually shooting children, but that he was going to be shown to be shooting children. He actually right. had a problem with that scene. It is a great scene. It is, it is pretty shocking, actually. It did. Well, I got really, 1978. Yeah, I that I really know. I noticed that one, and I had to stop it, and then go back and watch it again and make myself realize that they were zombies too. They weren't. They weren't kids we were trying to protect. No, they, they were zombies. I think they were George and, Romero's niece and nephew. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that he put in the film. Baptism. <laughs> Um, (laughs) that scene really I can see where the actor would have a problem like later like mentally trying to process that because I had a hard time processing that one until I like sat there and was like okay Katie number one this didn't really happen number two they're zombies they're zombies and you're putting them out of their misery you know that that whole where the projects and the airport all of that combined to me was like the most tense part of the whole movie and i think it's because of the confined spaces and you know me and and confined spaces we don't get along well yeah that one that was tough yeah well they uh, and once they start setting up house in the mall 
I think the movie starts to stretch out a little bit, but I think that's intentional to give you the feeling that that's what their lives are becoming, just sort of dragging along, no right. real no real purpose, no real conclusion. And right. In the beginning, they're out and about in the outside world, you know, kind of... Chaos. Yeah, fighting off what yeah. they can. And then... It's almost like time just stops. Mm-hmm. It does look like that. And as they cut back to the little, the house, the... the uh, the suite of rooms that they're in, you see that a little more decorated, like each time they cut back to it, it's a little more like a, a real, until eventually it looks like an apartment basically. So they've been there a while. I don't know. Well, she's still pregnant at the end. So they couldn't have been there more than six months. Yeah. Cause she's kind of, yeah. kind of round. Yeah. She's not showing it all at the beginning. So, it's, so or somewhere around six months, I guess they were there. Yeah. They don't really, they don't really say. No, they don't. I'm just amazed at what she could cook on a, on the hot plate with, it looked like one pan. She's good. Yep. Now that takes some talent. And then what Peter cooked. Oh, yeah, that's right. He cooks for them. He cooks a meal for them, which is a sweet scene. He shows that he's a very, he's a very caring guy. It really is. And um, he could dress well, too. Yeah, he looked good. He dressed better than Stephen ever did. (laughs) Flyboy had some um, definite wardrobe issues. (laughs) Yes. Um, At one point, I couldn't tell if we were going to be leading into Crocodile Dundee or if we were going to be getting back to the zombies with all the tan and the bullets and everything. How did did you feel about, um, I'm kind of time jumping here, the beginning of the movie with the chunk taken out of Mikelito's neck? Nope, nope, nope. That's a great, that's a, that's a great one. Oh, that that got me. That, oh, I think it's because it looked like it was, I, I can't even, oh. It looks good. It's one of the better effects in the movie. It might be the best effect in the movie. That it is, really and is. That and yeah. Roger's face when he comes back well, from the dead yeah. is a great effect, too. Yeah, when he rises up yeah. out of the That's some good makeup effects on that. Well, they did a good yeah. job, I think, with yeah. the guy whose intestines get pulled yeah. out. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's oh. Tasso's Travarkas. He was a stuntman. Oh. Or I guess he's pretty much still there. The shoulder, or is, it, is the neck and the leg? Oh, the I arm. Think. He bites her neck and oh, then the, her arm. Yeah, the arm. Oh my gosh, fight. those two really made my stomach turn. But yeah, it, look, it looks really good. It it looked like they were biting off fat back. Yeah, and you can have to see layers, layers yeah. in, the, in the in the material. I'm not sure how he did that, but it looks like yeah, you know, layers of like subcutaneous fat. And, yeah, it kind of looked like insulation foam and or... orange blood, but well, whatever. <laughs> People's no. blood was more orange back then. Yeah, it was the seventies. Yeah. Must know, have been all the brown tone. What about the helicopter? The zombie got the top of his head sliced off by the helicopter blade. I kind of laughed at that one. Yeah, that's like, a fun. That's a good, that always got that always gets a laugh in the theater. Yeah, because he looks kind of like a Frankenstein, so you can kind of tell. You could probably tell, Katie, where that scene was going. Yeah, because it was right. like his head. Right, and they're just sitting there watching him. Like, come on, keep going, <laughs> keep going. Well, I- you know, I would think that, you know, if I'm up under helicopter blades and there's somebody walking towards me or a zombie walking toward me, yeah, I'm going to try to bait you too and, mm-hmm. and hope that you're not shorter than the blades. Right, because <laughs> then we got a problem. There were parts in the movie where I kind of laughed because it almost looks like red paint and water mm-hmm. or corn, corn syrup with red food coloring. We have come so far like I said earlier, in my head, that's only 30 years ago. We won't talk about how long it really is. Well, the guy but, who did the mask for the black phone is who did the special effects for this. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Tom's, I mean, he's legend in the, uh, yeah, in the practical effects. 
world. He's yeah. one of the granddaddies. Him and uh, can't think of I can't think of the other names of the other big ones. Rob Bottin, Rob Bottin, and um, Nick Terra. Lady. Stan Winston, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Stan Winston. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Stan Those Hall. are the grand guys of, yeah, special and friends. Then when um, Roger gets the chunk taken out of his leg and she's got him all nice and bandaged, and then some, um, when he falls, what is it? Something happens and somebody gets a hold of his leg. Yeah, he's in the back of the car. When they're driving the car yeah. around the mall. And I'm like, oh, man, that was a beautiful bandaging job. And you ruined it with red paint. <laughs> you know, it was meant to be ruined, you know. Um, yeah. I, I just kept telling David because David was like, I don't think it's that easy to get into someone's abdomen when they're, like, tearing apart the intestines and stuff. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, in these movies, people always pull apart easier than you than they probably really do. <laughs> you chomp into a head easier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess they might have had stronger teeth back then too. I, I, yeah. It was all the smoking. Were there any stores in this mall that you know they kind of pull back through and you see you see throughout the mall? Was there any store you're like, dang, I wish I could shop there? The shoe store. The shoe store? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think. I think I would have liked to have at least went to the Brown Derby. The Brown Derby. I worked at a J. I worked at a JC Penney's for about a year and a half, but this would have been in '84 and '85. But still, seeing a JC Penney's there brought back some PTSD for me. <laughs> yeah, I actually worked at a Penney's in New Jersey. Yeah, and you know, I the scene where they're initially going through everything, and Roger slides down between the two rims on the escalator i cannot tell you how many times i would look at that as a kid and go that is the coolest slide ever yeah now they put those yeah if only i could get away with it (laughs) it'd be kind of fun yeah slide down those yeah but But that's his character too he's a big he's a big kid he's yelling yippee and when they're when they're sealing off the wall (laughs) he's yelling he's like you know he's not taking it too seriously and you know he's going to pay a price for that right they even kind of telegraph it with peter uh kind of grabbing him and yelling at him like it's not just your life it's all of ours Mm -hmm. don't put my life in in you know in jeopardy don't take it for granted right i really liked how they blocked off the mall i thought that was ingenious the fact that they needed a toolkit to do that now or to do that then and now you've got people using usb chargers Oh, the hot wire cars. Yeah, back then you could. Yeah, you had to not actually hot wire. Yeah, you know, you had to know which what lines to cross and put together. Yep. And um, get spark going. He kind of when he was doing that and he's upside down, and he's yelling. It kind of almost seemed like child, not childish, like six. It it was almost like it was childlike. Not that he was mature, but that he just had so much. You know, he was just so happy and and stuff that he got the car started. Right. Almost that carefree is just taking care of me type that Peter tells him not, you know, even after Peter tells him, you know, pull yourself together, that he's still like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seems to be taken it somewhat more seriously, especially, yeah. you know, when he drops the bag. <laughs> yeah. Peter kind of reminds me of my dad. And it's kind of one of those, <laughs> don't you fuck this shit up kind of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm going to get your ass. I really do think I'd have said more than, oh, shit, when I dropped the bag. Yeah, me too. Probably would have been a lot of a lot of cuss words. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, David, what's your favorite scene? Oh, I, I think the shotgun to the head. That's my favorite kill. That's such a good one. And it comes right. It comes. Well, it's, there's some, a couple of blood squibs on the roof when the cops are shooting the uh, tenement people. But mm-hmm. that's the that's the first reel where you're like, OK, it's game on. Gore time now. That That's where marriage is saying, OK, you know, you, you've paid to see this movie. I'm going to give it to you. If you like brains and guts. And that's, a, that's a great kill. I like I do love when uh, Roger comes back from the dead. The makeup effects on him are really good. They they wrinkled his skin. I guess they use spirit gum, and when it dries, it wrinkles the skin. Yeah, that or they use mm-hmm. cotton cotton and, and he's, he's and then he made him actually gray, and not that weird blue that all the other zombies are. It's a great and the way yeah. he the way he comes back, the way he sits up and kind of just looks around side to side like he's figuring what's going on, and then he sees Peter and. It, it, that's a great scene. That's a pretty creepy scene. He feels so yeah. sorry for Peter, though. So sad. Yeah. He's got to suit his friend. Yeah, you can see the emotion on his face. Right. Um, but all I could think of when Roger sits up like that is that he looked like SpongeBob without the water. When SpongeBob <laughs> first visits Sandy, and he doesn't have any water. He lo- and he looks angry. A lot of the zombies is generally just look like they're kind of stupid. When he rises <laughs> up, he actually looks pissed, which makes it scarier. They have that stoned seventies look. Yeah, well, because they were stoned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, like, just looking at all of it, Roger seems to have the best makeup effect when it comes to it. Because they spend the budget on him. Yeah, even well, Stephen's makeup. Stephen's, was- when when Stephen comes out of the the uh, the elevator too after he turns, that's some great effects too. Some great acting on his part. He does some great physical acting on the way he drags his one foot behind him and right. that's a that's a really good that's a really good scene too i just Very want to know how he stood upright to do that yeah they, they the, in the director's commentary they were t- talking about just the way he did that they, he did that all on his own just the way he twists his foot under and drags it along it's, it's very effective that was just his he brought that to the it wasn't part of the they didn't give him the, the uh, direction to do that he just did it oh wow i bet he was sore after doing that yeah, it's, it's a great scene. Yeah, it really was. I liked that Peter made sure Roger, er, not Roger, that Stephen was gone. Like, made sure he shot him before they left. Because with again, like the whole thing with Roger not not wanting them to have to live like that or unlive like that, like making sure he took care of his friend by ending him. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that can't weigh on a character. Or can't not weigh on a character. Well, I mean, you got to think they they were in the mall. We're estimating six months, mm-hmm. and guess. they they had been taking care of the dead the whole time anyway, mm-hmm. just you know shooting. So they kind of get deconditioned mm-hmm. to that. Well, and yeah, and that's I, your friend, but this is also your new reality. This is the yeah. world you are in now. And you know, when you mentioned mentioned moving them and all. <laughs> that's a great idea putting them in the freezer, but can we not take the good food out first mm-hmm. and put it in the other one? I mean, you gotta, you gotta age, you gotta age your good food somehow. And they just had the right amount of bacteria. I was wondering why they did they bother? Why didn't they just bring them up on the roof and chuck them off the side? Yeah. Maybe they're just too heavy or something. To get I was wondering why they bothered putting them in the freezer. Yeah. They should have just had a big bonfire. Toss them overboard. Yeah. Big old nice bonfire. Yep. Well, no, because they needed the lighter fuel for their cigarette. I need lighter fluid. You yes. Got it. 
because, you know, I mean, the end of the world is coming and zombies are eating people. But even at the beginning where they first get to the helicopter and those guys are pops on the dock. Yeah. Yeah. They can't leave without the damn cigarettes. That's one of my favorite characters, though. Dave and I talk about this a lot. Yeah, that dot, the, that kind of, the, the one guy that's kind of big and doe-eyed and just like, you know, you guys got any cigarettes? Yeah. And, you know, we're going to the island. What island? Any yeah. island. It's like this puppy dog that you just want to hit with a rolled up newspaper and go, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that's Romero again, having a really low uh, opinion of police. Yeah, the police. The, you know, they're they're all either crooked or stupid. And that, I almost at first was like, "Are they just dressed as cops?" Or, <laughs> well, technically, <laughs> were they pretending to be cops to rob the place, or were they crooked cops? Like, I think they were crooked cops just trying to get out on their own. Yeah, they, they were trying yeah. to. Get Can the, they even say crooked? They were just trying to get the fuck out, like everybody yeah. else. <laughs> this, this is true. Having a mom who watches everything and anything to do with the walking dead i couldn't help but notice some of the similarities but i think it's the same things no matter what movie you're watching when zombies are involved well george romero is the father of zombies and no i've never watched it i've only heard bits and pieces as i've walked through the living room when we were first shut down and locked down in 2020 my mom watched everything zombies she could because she was determined that no matter what happened, we were going to survive this shit. <laughs> so she was watching that while I was watching um, ER <laughs> over and over. So we were going to survive because I had the medical stuff and she had the how to take out the zombies. Even though me and you both know, Crystal, mom's not going to do anything when it comes to no. that. Because, <laughs> you know, she just stood there and laughed at the spoon. We'll have to, we'll have to go into the spoon story on on a future episode Um, is there anything that was your least favorite scene oh the scene where they find them and it's almost like a pit um and the zombies are eating all the dead bodies in the basement basement. oh at the beginning Oh. oh that and then at the end where they're tearing um steven apart and and that's a life cycle yeah and the one biker that just had to have his blood pressure checked. Yeah, that is so <laughs> such a ridiculous scene. Like, they, they, it's not the time for your blood pressure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we know. I love that they, they they cut back to the readout on the machine. And of course, it's zero over zero because <laughs> it's just his arm in it. That's a great touch, though. Little gallows humor. Yes, yes, and it even had a little warning on there for the blood pressure reading. I did notice that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Had he not had that big giant sombrero target on his head, yes. he might not have been noticed by the <laughs> zombies. The whole, the bikers coming in, and maybe because I'm just, why can't we just leave well enough alone? Like, why they got to smash everything? Because but they're, they're bikers. They're bikers right. and they're, they're, they have a whole different mentality than I would because I'm going to sit there going, great. Now who's going to clean all this up? <laughs> the right. zombies. <laughs> yeah i think my least favorite scene was when steven's down in what looks like maybe the boiler room or whatever and he shoots the gun and the bullets start ricocheting yeah and you hear it ricochet off of only in movies it's like come on dude you're gonna wind up shooting yourself right 
I, I could have done without the pie fight. I don't understand. I didn't understand the need for that. Yeah, zombies got. I, I just didn't understand that. It just it was too comical. Maybe they just maybe George Romero just wanted to throw just, some just, some light I think I think he has said. Point. I think he has said that he just wanted to have a pie fight. I wanted there to be a pie fight. Yeah, that one. It almost seemed like like the bikers were taunting the zombies. Yeah, they probably right. were. They probably thought they were badass, ten foot tall, and bulletproof. And right. You know. And then you know, little sombrero man gets his arm blown off, and <laughs> and the rest of him eaten. And, and then the arm probably was eaten too. Don't think that was the time to have a high blood pressure check. <laughs> no. And then with the squirting them with the water, and I almost kind of felt sad for the zombies right there. Like the bullets haunting them, and I don't know. Maybe it's because you know previous repressed memories of being bullied as a child myself i was like oh leave the zombies alone just let them eat you <laughs> but no but uh, that's romero romero does that the zombies are just sort of a background threat humans are the real yeah. monsters in his movies yeah. and he yeah. does a, a really good job with with showing that zombies are just being zombies but humans are the real are the real monsters zombies right. just want brains and and I don't understand why zombies don't eat zombies. Because that's cannibalism and it's wrong. It's romantic. <laughs> so they're moralistic they, zombies. Yeah, well, they've got they've got some, you know Or standards. Yeah, they got standards. They're kinda rank. You know, they, they probably have kind of like when we talk about bees and how they dance or whatever, they have a scent to them so they can get mm -hmm. noticed by the hive that they are a part of. Uh, zombies probably scent check each other. Yeah, you know, rotting flesh. They only want living. Yeah, they only want living flesh. They don't want dead flesh. Yeah, it needs to be. Is it because it's warm? Maybe it's just fresher. <laughs> no expiration date. Fresh, fresh yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I did have to like one of the things I really liked though in the movie was, and I feel like I'm all over the place right now, but um. Well, when Steve, when Steven's teaching her to fly the helicopter, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, that gets them caught by the biker gang, but like she asked him to do that because she said, if something happens to you, what's going to happen to the rest of us? Right, and she's he got actually, a very good point. Yeah. And then I feel like it starts all over again at the end when he makes it in the helicopter and he says, how much fuel do we have? And she's like, very serious. Not much. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go all over again. But, I mean, there's still some uh, probably gas pumps or whatnot that they could, they could get to. Like the one that they show them at where mm -hmm. um, the two children attack uh, Peter. Yeah, there's those kids like, already taken care of. Yeah, <laughs> those, that, that, uh, that was like a little mom and pop uh, airport just probably for crop planes and like farm planes and stuff. So yeah. I imagine and that those are blocked. One of the things I don't, that I've, I remember watching this, how do you not hear them coming? Because they're going to make this. I noticed it all, like, they kept sneaking up on people. I'm like, how? Okay, if you know there's zombies around, number one, why are you not checking every direction all the time? And number two, how do they sneak up on you? Because you've got to be able to smell it before they get there. Well, you know, it's probably walk tall, carry a big stick. They they had like soft footsteps. It's it, one of the other scenes that just baffles me is when Fran is alone and the monk zombie, you know, figures mm -hmm. out 
there's a fake wall and goes through and gets all the way back there with Fran. It's like, mm -hmm. how, how do you, you know, is that something is George Romero telling us, you know, this, this monk, you know, they're enlightened, so they're not going to be as oh, I don't zombie know. as the rest, or is it just, I don't think so. I think he's just being, that's George Romero just being silly and mm -hmm. weird. And if they're not really conscious and they're only after one thing, how did he do that? Like that, that one bothered, like, how did he figure it out when none of the other zombies did? Well, maybe because he's enlightened. <laughs> I, I think he just happened to walk up the right staircase. He just happened to go the right <laughs> way. I don't think they do much thinking. That would be my look. Well, yeah, but when you when you see the, the monk zombie and the, and the different shots of it, it looks like Buddy when marbles roll across it's and bump into each other and there's an idea. Like, looks like there's something going on, but you can't quite tell what. Right. Maybe he wasn't as undead as the others yet. Maybe he was more recent. Well, do you think maybe more intelligent people, they get turned into a zombie that, you know, they've got intelligent decisions that they can make? Or is it just all brains? Well, if he was that bright, he wouldn't have been a Hare Krishna. Does anybody even know what those are anymore? <laughs> yes. They used, to be at the, they used to be at the airports handing out flowers. Oh, they can't yeah. do that anymore. That was a real thing. I remember it. Yes, they no, stopped all of that. Remember an airplane? And see if they're playing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing, too. Katie, whose death was the least deserving? I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to go with them two kids because, you know, I can't really think. The adults in the movie, even, you know, between Roger and Steven, they both kind of got what was coming to them because they caused it by not making smart choices. We don't really know. Like, I want to know the backstory of these kids. <laughs> like, backstory, buddy. Yeah. 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 How they got in that room. Right. And, the yeah. Maybe their parents put them in there. I mean, yeah. They and sit there and locked in. How did they die? And, like, I don't know. And maybe that's just me wanting to be, you know, protective of the kids because yeah. I am an educator. But I think that the movie would not have been the same, had, excuse me, had all four of them made it out. It would right. have been more like a Disney movie because everybody survives and everybody has the happy ending if all four of them had made it out. And the original script, none of them were supposed to make it out. Oh, wow. uh, Peter kills himself and then Fran uh, kills herself on the roof by sticking her head up into the helicopter blades, which is why they shot the scene. Why they shot the scene at the airport was to set that up. But I think Romero decided he wanted the two to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, in that case, I would have to say Fran. Yeah, she winds up killing herself. Yeah, and then and the and it was supposed to then this the movie was supposed to end with a shot of the helicopter on the roof running and then stalling right then and there, showing that they didn't have enough gas to get anywhere anyway. It was very oh. it was very it was very bleak the original ending. He changed yeah. it. I think probably in a zombie apocalypse it would be very. Bleak. Well, do you think that that's something they would have kept an eye on how much fuel was in the, the chopper? That would have been something they would have well, considered. If, if we need to get out of here, we need to have fuel in the stupid. But the only one that was really concerned about that was Fran. Everybody else was like, oh, we, we're holed up in here and it's gravy. I always thought, like, he says, how much fuel have we got? She says, not much. And he'd be like, didn't somebody think we should keep this thing filled up? Do I have to do everything around here? Right. I mean, well, technically, he kind of did. Yeah, he think he'd get tired of it. I got to do everything in this place. <laughs> yep. And I think the two most deserving are the ones that did wind up surviving. And now I'm just kind of curious, like, I know there's more that come after this. Mm -hmm. 
but are they a continuation of the same story or the same story in different places or completely no, it's different, totally different It's totally different stories. They're just, uh, the big three are Night of the Living Dead, which is sort of the beginning of the, this one's sort of the middle of the uh, apocalypse. And then there's Day of the Dead, which is where, as far as we know, these dozen people are the only people left on earth. We don't, you never know, but it's, but it's different people. It's not, the stories don't overlap, just the overarching zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, crap. I got to know if she has the baby. <laughs> yeah, that, you never find out what happened. Nope. Oh, dang. And then, like, because, like, what would happen if they're the only two that survive? Then does Peter become, like, her next man? And the baby, the baby's fill-in father? And, you know, I need to know these things. Never I can't watch a movie and not know. I got to have my Disney ending. Maybe they that's just chunk the baby off the roof. Maybe that's why I'm not normally a horror person. It's because I have to know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that are left to the imagination. And that's uh, more or less, you know, I think a good thing, especially with horror, because you can kind of write out what you think happened to them. Okay, so in my head, they made it to a safe spot and she had the baby. You're very and it didn't look anything like Steven. <laughs> You're very optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they would have to stop for cigarettes somewhere. No, no shit. Right. <laughs> they didn't have time to pack a bag. Right. Maybe they could have found those cops that were um, that were leaving on the boat. <laughs> I don't think those cops made it far. I don't think they did either. Yeah, my, 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 yeah, my, in my mind, they didn't get very far. Because this, yeah. this whole... They all drowned like 10 yards offshore. <laughs> <laughs> you think they got offshore? Yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah, they were in a boat. So we got to give them credit for something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so this all takes place in um, the surrounding Pittsburgh mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. um, that's where George Romero's from, correct? Mm -hmm. um, oh. So this mall is Monroeville Mall. Monroeville Mall, yeah. And we oh, have so been there. We have been there, and it's still oh. like the stores don't look the same, but the the right. whole setup with the marble and everything looks the same. Yeah, some of it looks the same. Yeah, you could definitely tell where uh, like the bikers came in at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how you could definitely. Is it still set up like when they were filming just for an attraction or is it an actual mall? No, it's a mall. Yeah, it's a real working mall. It's museum. a real mall. Well, okay. Now yeah, I have to have... go because there's an indoor mall. <laughs> they have but... uh, they have a uh, Living Dead store there, so it's all... Yeah, it's, uh, like it's a museum sort of thing. Mm -hmm, for George Romero oh. and these films and, and stuff. And then they do a Living Dead weekend up in Monroeville. And at the, we actually went to that airport uh, when we visited, um, and they have since torn that concrete block building down. Yeah, that building's gone now. That's kind yeah, of we saw it. We saw it was still standing. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of fun. And we made it to the cemetery. Night of the Living Dead was filmed in. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so fun. We did a little pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of the deaths I would have really felt was undeserved was when before peter decides to get up on the roof when he's hiding out in his little hidey hole with his tiny you know he's got all these other guns but his teeny tiny little pew pew gun his saturday night special yes those things pack a punch <laughs> and i'm thinking is he just decided has he just decided to give it all up that he's yeah, seen I think so. he's, he's just had enough life. yeah he's just had enough yeah and then at the very end the fight or flight response kicks in and He's not quite ready to leave her on her own or to give up himself. Being in the mall where they were, 
maybe even influenced that behavior. Like there was an easy way out to get out. Well, and yeah. had he not had that easy exit, would he have continued to jump or continued to go with it? Or would he have taken as many as he could with, with himself? Well, I think maybe with setting up the mall or just being realistic about your, your situation, you're going to set up. You definitely need to make sure you have a way out. That's part of prepping mm -hmm. or part of planning. And so yeah. I think they did great with making sure that was that was taken care of. That's probably the only reason why we got two out, you know, half the group out. So this movie had a budget of 640000 Wow. Yeah, in 78. At the box office, it made $66 million. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. People, people dig the zombies. Well, is, that, is that all the way, that's up to now, like in, in box fit, office. video and everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, this has a 93% critic score, a 90% audience score, and on Metacritic, it is it has a 71 score. Are you surprised by any of those numbers? The budget. <laughs> well, but, you I, know, I imagine that's a lot more in 1978 dollars. Well, that than... that's a lot. They did they did a lot with with this movie. Um, yeah. I think if you go and watch Night of the Living Dead. It is public domain, so you can find that pretty much anywhere. Mm -hmm. They had a shoestring budget for that. What was that one like? Was like fifty thousand or something. Yeah, like fifty-eight thousand or something like that to make that one. Yeah. And it's it's really um, you could see where George Romero, having now watched this one, was kind of uh, you could see his themes and kind of where he was going and his um, anti-establishment. Yeah, he's just not a fan of authority mm -hmm. in all his movies. The police, the military are either inept or evil. And he's not a fan. He was not a fan of authority. Particularly, he did not like police. He does not like police. Neither does John Carpenter. No. When we did They Live, the cops were, were just either brutal or actual aliens. Right. <laughs> so, Katie, do you have any final thoughts about this movie? Did you survive? I, I did survive. I know this is your favorite movie, David, so... I was trying to think of a really nice way to say this. No, good. Just be um, honest. I, I, I kind of got bored. Where well, it's we, should, we, should have watch, we should have had you watch the uh, the director's cut, the 90-minute cut. This is this, uh, two and a half hours a long time. Well, the yeah. reason I had you watch this particular cut is that's the only one I've seen. Yeah, it's, it's the best one on YouTube. It's so the best I, version. I didn't want to send you to watch mm -hmm. something and me go, what scene is she talking about? <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> And I think it was just because, you know, I'm seeing them do everything I would do. Get up, pick out what I'm going to wear, cook dinner. That kind of, that part kind of got a little boring. But towards the end where it starts picking up steam, mm -hmm. it, I really was like, okay, they've got to get out of here. They've got to get, like, I started to get a little stressed, but more because I want her to survive than it was actually stressful. I really like how it ended with him, with, with Peter, you know, I'm going to take it as he decided that it wasn't time to give up, that you could still fight mm -hmm. and that there was still something worth fighting for. So well, that's how I'm going to take it as. Yeah, I think so. He's the hero, definitely the hero of the film. Mm -hmm. And you really don't see African-Americans as the heroes in films around that time. You, you still really, don't today. You really don't today. Yeah. They they are kind of, especially in a horror movie, it's kind of a trope. They're the first to die. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah. it, it, it's uh, well, comforting after it. this one made it to the end, but you know, I encourage you to watch Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Oh, I know. I think you'll like that one. And that one's not, that was what, an hour and 20 minutes, maybe? It's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty short. Mm -hmm. Okay. Final thoughts? I'm good. I, you know, I wouldn't say no to watching and get it again if it just happened to be on TV. So I wasn't completely scared, even if they had ketchup and corn syrup for blood. That's a very earned corn syrup. <laughs> well, I'm I think Tom Savini patented his blood recipe, didn't he? I, I don't know. I think he patented it. Oh, gosh. I wonder Tom if it's edible. Is actually, do you remember when the bikers kind of invaded into the mall and you have that one biker that swings down like Errol Flynn on the... Uh, yes. That's Tom Savini. <laughs> ah. He was also a stuntman. He did this. He was also a stuntman on this. Okay. That would be one of my fears in a mall would be falling from one of those things, not like jumping in wee down. I'm just, you know, surprised that that little string, the little flag string held him up. Yeah. Uh -huh. But did, did you notice how it, it changes to rope when it stops swinging? Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it was good. The magic of editing. <laughs> there have been some movies we covered on the house that screams so I'm like man whoever edited this or whoever was supposed to be the continuity person eh, they didn't deserve their job <laughs> Yeah, David any final thoughts on this movie no I recognize it's not a perfect film I think in order to love something you have to recognize it's faults not everything about this movie is perfect obviously but it yeah. just is, as, as a package I, I love every minute of it I love the yeah. stuff that doesn't even work I love the the bad dialogue, some of the dialogue scenes are just not great. And some of the special effects, like I said, a lot of the background zombies are just people with blue paint on their faces. Whatever, I still love it. <laughs> I think I love it more because of that. I think that they- Because they were making a film, they made a movie. These guys went into a mall at night. They had to film this at night after the mall closed. The mall mm -hmm. was open during the day for business. It would close, they'd show up at whatever, 10 o'clock at night and film all night long and had to be out and have everything put back together for the mall to open again. Well, they had to be out by yeah, whatever, six, six, or, six a.m. And it was during the holiday. I think it was during the holiday. During Christmas. Too. So, they had, mm -hmm. so they they made a film. They went to a mall and made a movie, man. They, they got it done. I love it. Yeah. I've always loved George Romero. He's always been a rebel. He never really found the mainstream success. A little bit like with Creepshow, I guess, and um, what, Monkey Shines? Monkey Shines. But he never really, because he was not a team player. He would not, like this movie, when it was originally released, got released with an X rating because he, back then, an X rating meant pornography, or it could only be shown after midnight in theaters because he refused to edit it down to get an R rating. The, the, mm. the, the censors wanted, they said, we'll release it in R, but you have to edit. He wouldn't do it. So he knew he was limiting the audience, but he wouldn't, he did not, he wouldn't edit the film down to get a rating like where it could show, you know, at normal times in theaters. So you had to go mm -hmm. see this thing at like midnight shows and stuff. Oh. I, I always respected Romero. He always had a, he always stuck to his guns, which and and, he, and his career suffered for it. He never attained the you know Steven Spielberg levels of wealth and fame uh, that he might have otherwise, because he refused to play along. Same thing with John Carpenter. A lot of parallels between those two. A lot of the parallels in their careers. Yeah, but I think George Romero has such a cult. That I think that's one of the reasons he has a cult on because he was always true. Mm -hmm. And he didn't sell out. And he also he the, a lot of the themes in his movies were progressive for their day as far as race and 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 um sex um you know f feminism 
he was uh, ahead of his time. Dave, is there anywhere that we can find you? Just the house that screams. Uh, if you if you like this, find us there. We have a lot of fun there. We do. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. <laughs> and so that that's it for us on this episode. Scare my best friend to death. You can find us at scaremybff.com, where this podcast is available on all pop podcast platforms you can also uh, support us on buy me a coffee there this episode will release early there and you will also if you're a membership see the photos that dave and i took while we visited the monroeville mall and the evan city cemetery and the uh, airport in monroeville yeah. Oh, and the other, uh, the ones uh, us dressed up as Fran and uh, yeah, and we dressed up as Fran and Flyboy for Halloween last year. That yeah, was awesome. <laughs> so, from all of us here, deuces. Bye, everybody.